So we just did a like a not hostile take an hostile un, takeover. An unhostile takeover. Hostile takeover. A peaceful takeover. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they um, all say. Hello and welcome to the Process Podcast, the award-winning podcast, because I said so, so worth. See, I'm good. Great host. This is why we won an award. We clearly won the Process Award for Best Podcasting because that's how this works. At some point, there will be an actual copy and pasted intro in these things, but that day is not today, but this is the day I have my process partner in crime, my poetry partner in crime, my just in general partner in crime with me. We have Kayla. Hello. 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 How are it's you doing? Me. I'm good. How are you? I am. I think I should legitimately be the first person in doing who's asked me back how I'm doing. So I appreciate really? that. I think so. Yeah, we've been. In... Well, everyone's rude except for me. <laughs> oh, it's been very <laughs> formal of late. And though speaking of rude, and this is where my wonderful segue goes into we starting the podcast. Oh, wait, no, I had something to say before uh, that. Go, actually, go, go. Because you re- consistently refer to me as an award winning writer and director. Yes. I have never won an award for my writing or directing in my life. I've won second place for things. I've been shortlisted for things, but I've never actually won an award. You've won my award. Thank you. There we go. I'll take that. That's nice. Um, the Your way- segue gone. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, well, it, it, it doesn't matter too much. That was, again, wonderful noise for all the ASMR listeners there as Tyrone figures out his words. But the way I've challenged myself to start these off, and I'm aware of what I'm getting into now with you especially, is I've challenged myself for all of these podcasts to try and remember how I first met the person I've got on the show with me. I know exactly how we first met. Exactly. And I don't like this story for me. Should I don't I come not out tell of this it, well. no, 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 You no, brought no. it up. Do te- no, I want it told. Okay, this is very where I don't come out of this looking great. <laughs> no, but this is what I mean when I'm on stage at Process and I say that I'm the nice, approachable, lovely <laughs> one and you're a bitch. Yep. Because... I love you, but you are a bitch sometimes. And the story of when we first met is a great example. Uh, it was October 2017. Oh, you've got months with it. You've got receipts. Yes, October 2017. And I won the... Uh, I was competing in the Genesis Slam. Ooh, okay, so I will have to come back on this episode slightly because I... That was the first time we interacted with each oh, other. Oh, yes. that Yeah, it was the first time we met. But you'd seen me perform well, yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd seen you perform before yeah yes. you'd seen me it couldn't have been much early much yeah it was like i think it was like a month before spoken word london yes um and i was competing in genesis slam and i it was my first time and i won <laughs> humble brag um <laughs> and you were standing by the bar and you were leaning on the bar with your signature like one-armed lean <laughs> and <laughs> exactly you're doing it right now um and uh you were like tapping on your phone and i remember thinking like super rude that you're on your phone and like I thought you were like messaging or something um while people Even are performing worse. um <laughs> and then the thing is this makes you also sound way worse than you actually are I know. you're not this much of an asshole <laughs> it just it makes you look really bad sorry um and I went over to say hello because I was like I don't want you to be as much of a prick as, as much of a prick as I think you are being right now so I just went over to say hi um after one of the it was like during an, an interval mm-hmm. or something or maybe like right at the end um and you were like making notes on everyone's performances on your phone about what you thought of the poetry uh, which i don't think is inherently bad but it sounds bad when you say it out loud i don't actually think that's a bad thing i just think it sounds bad <laughs> um and you told me later I, th- 
I don't know if you told me that night, but you told me like at some point that you were like reluctant to accept that I was good. And that the first <laughs> poem I did, I think I even remember what I did. I think I did the Motolinsky poem first and mm. then let me explain. And then Real Women. I feel, and, like, I feel like Will Women was one of the first ones possible. No, I think I won with that one. Or maybe let me explain I won with... But those are definitely the three yeah. that I did. And I remember you said that the first poem I did, you were like, yeah, all right. And then the second poem I did, you were like, mm, I don't know. And then the third poem you were like, oh yeah, yeah, all right, fuck you, you're actually good. Yeah. And I was like, why are you reluctant to admit that people are good? I'm, I'm a good poet. Yeah. Pe uh, poets are great. Like I'm a wonderfully jaded poet at this stage in... Like, not fully jaded, but that thing of like... I have heard so many poets before and there's a little part of me, which is my cynical, bitter part of me. That's a bit like, are oh, we doing another poem on this subject again? Yeah. And like, it's good, but I've heard this done so many times. And yeah. I guess it's more in, it was almost, especially at that stage, there was a level of like, I had heard that poem, poem like that so many times. I'm looking for something that is different. And I think mm. with your will women have curbs one at the time, like, and I, I've got a similar story with Rebecca Cooney as well with her Three Day Beard poem. Oh, I love that poem so much. Which was, because like she did that poem after the French, one of the many French riots, etc. Yeah. And it was like that first, I was like, oh, no, we're doing another cliche again. Okay, could we get ready for the cliche poem? And then the poem goes on and it's like, shit, that wasn't a cliche. Nope. Okay, fair enough, that's Not good. And I think it was a little bit like that with Real Women Have Curves. I'm like, I'm going to get another cliche poem. Like, look, at, look at me, I am woman, which is a good thing to do. Yeah. But that poem genre has been done so many times and often not elevated yeah so the fact that there was some elevation was like the okay fine yeah you, you, got, you got something it was also because the title is misleading yes because obviously <laughs> real women have curves is a bullshit sentence it says it's satire it's a heavily satirical poem <laughs> um but i can imagine hearing that title and going oh right here we go again and that was part of my and that is often part of my thing especially in slams which we might get onto later little preview spoiler mm. i don't know we'll see but <laughs> Before we get into that, we're starting with a section that I always do called Timelines. See, that is the sound of someone who's really happy to re-encounter, like, re re-encounter, wow, we can't, I can do words. <laughs> no, it's not that I'm not happy. It's just, it's just that um, I'm repeating uh, the, my, that the story that I told on the Dead Darlings podcast. Well, yeah, I can ask Rebecca Coon even just cut and paste that yeah, topic from here. That'd be perfect. But no, we're doing it fresh again. So let's see what slight variations there are to your past. And like, I, at least at the very least, I'm assuming with all the theatre stuff as well. I'm calling all the theatre stuff for now. But with, stuff. with the creativity, there's a level of you've always been a creative person. Yeah, I've always been a writer. Theatre came much later, but I've I've been writing poetry since before I can remember. And I know that because when I was like five, I wrote a poem about soda. As about you soda do. pop. Um, that my parent, I think my mum like printed out like loads of copies of games <laughs> with her friends. And I know that that wasn't the first poem I wrote. Um, and I was five. And I've been writing poems and stories since I was that, like I assume since I was capable of doing that physically. Um, and everyone always said I was going to be a writer. I say everyone, like everyone that knew me as a child was like, Kayla's going to be a writer. Um, and my grandma was like obsessed with, she was so certain I was going to be a journalist. Um, and my grandmother loved the theater. Um, but she was still insistent that I was going to be a journalist. Um, and I went to uni to study when I was, the reason I ended up studying 
uh, theater was because I was always going to study psychology and I was like, I'm going to, I wanted to be a therapist and I was like, writers don't make any money. I'll be a therapist and then I'll write on the side. <laughs> um, and, and then I went to see a production of King Lear with my A-level drama class in 2011. It was starring Derek Jacobi at the Donmar Warehouse, directed by Michael Grandage. Um, and I was like, I don't know, I want to do that. I want to, whatever this, whatever's, whatever's going on here, I want to do that for the rest of my life. So I went home and changed my, I'd written my, I'd written my personal statement for psychology. <laughs> I just went home and changed my application and studied theatre at the University of Leeds. And in the first couple of weeks of uni, um, I had, I made a friend or sort of friend uh, called, um, if you're listening to this as a podcast, Tyrone is making the, his signature confused face right now. <laughs> No, I made a friend in that I thought I saw this, this uh, another poet called Finn Dobson and I saw them in like one of my first lectures and I was like, this person is super cool and I want to be their friend. But I didn't really know how to be their friend. So I would just like, you know, in lectures, I'd be like, is this seat taken? Can I sit with you? Um, and then like a couple of weeks later, I found out that they were doing exactly the same thing. So we just became friends. But um, I did that. They were sitting on top. There was like a little hill like a very small hill outside the our faculty building and they were sitting there alone flipping through um our like student union like the book of like societies and I said oh can I sit here and a classic please be my friend move um and uh they had circled slam poetry and I said what's slam poetry and they explained about spoken word um so our university had a spoken word society but it didn't do anything the whole year and I had also taken a creative writing module that year outside of like an elective. Um, and so Finn and I and a bunch of our friends went to the student union and we were like, this society, so the society is run by thirds who aren't doing anything with the society if, and they're not, they haven't held an AGM to pass it over to anyone. So this society is going to, dis- this society is going to disappear if no one does anything with it. So we just did a, like a, not hostile take an, un, an unhostile takeover. Hostile takeover. A peaceful takeover. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they all um, say. And they they said you can do it, but you have to have an AGM right at the start of next year. Um, so we started. We like revamped the society, and 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 then like a couple of years later, it won like best student society. So like, I'm not saying it's because of us, but it's probably because of Talia Stitcher <laughs> because she then went on to run it. Um, <laughs> um and then when I moved back to London for my masters. Um, I started going to Spoken Word London and Extra Second London and Genesis Slam and um and then I got back into Spoken Word Poetry here. Um and I sort of sp- fell out of Spoken Word. I what what I really regret is that I did a year abroad in Montreal in my third year. And then I lived in New York for four months in the summer to work for a theatre company. And there is so much incredible spoken, there's such an incredible spoken word scene in both Montreal and New York. And I didn't go to a single event in either of those cities when I lived there. Biggest regret. That's not on the Dead Darlings podcast. There you can go. have that for free. Exclusive. We want an exclusive <laughs> for the protest podcast. Well, I don't know what you talked about fully on the Dead Darlings podcast, but going into it from past, we're now going into the present. So how would you describe your present as a writer? Uh... Well, I run Process Poetry <laughs> Night with you. Um, that's on the last Tuesday of every month. And if you're listening to this or watching this, you should come along. Um, I intermittently go to other poetry nights because I'm very, very busy. I wish I could go to more, um, but I also live in a really inconvenient, I live in Northwest London, like at the end of a tube line. It's really, there's like one poetry night that's near me 
um, that goddamn poetry jam and it's still almost an hour away. So Wait, how close are you to Barnet? I live in Barnet, but getting around Barnet is That's because that, is awkward. Because at your edge, I know there's a one monthly night in High Barnet. Yeah, it's the other end of which it's, is, it's the other branch. So exactly. I think I can get a bus there, but it's still like at least 40 minutes. Um, like there's nothing really in my area. Whereas in, in East London and South London, there's that you can, you know, wherever you live, there's going to be somewhere really, a night really close to you. Um, I really, I, I attend other nights like fairly infrequently, but I'm kind of getting back into it. And I always have them like in my diary. So I know when they are. And so when <laughs> I, if I've, if you're listening to this and I've ever told you, oh, I've really been wanting to come to your poetry night. I genuinely mean that. It means that it's in my diary and then I have work and I can't come. Um, I have a book coming out at the end of the year. Uh, with Verve Poetry Press. So I write for the page. I always say, I describe myself as a, a director and writer for the page, stage and screen, even though I've never had anything on screen. Yet, yet. Uh, I yet. mean, this podcast is coming out end of August. I don't know. I don't know how my time yeah. is, but by that, I don't know. Well, actually, no, that's not true. I did write, I wrote a short play that they made into a short film um, once a while ago. But other than that, I have not written for the screen. Not for lack of trying. It's like, great. Screenwriting's really hard. I guess, like, for a cliche, not cliche, but for, in terms of your writing, in terms of your present versus past, like, what would you say has changed in terms of your writing? And, like, is it topic-wise? Obviously, when I first met you, you, you had a lot of stuff talking about womanhood there. Like, has that changed much yeah. now? Has it evolved? Yeah, I think my main sort of topics for writing when we met, I was doing a lot of poems about mental health and a lot of poems about womanhood. Um, I would say my poems about womanhood have evolved to being poems about gender yeah. more generally. Um, I, just because my, well, not just, but primarily because my relationship to my own gender has changed or has evolved maybe, um, but also, I have way more non-binary friends than I did six years ago. Um, I did have non-binary friends six years ago, but now like every other friend I have is non-binary. So. <laughs> um, uh, and I'm writing a, lo- a bit more now about specific things that are happening. I am in general writing a lot less poetry at the moment. Um, I don't know why that is. I think I'm possibly just classic writer's block. I mean, um, there is also the directing and other stuff you're doing as well, which yeah. can take up a lot of the time. Yeah. To be fair. Yeah. It does. It does. Sorry. That was, I don't know if I have a comment on that. I just, I have less free time now as well. Um, I read a lot more poetry now than I did six years ago. Um, and I'm also, cause I'm also now I'm writing more for stage, um, as a, for theater. Um, which means poetry comes sort of comes by the wayside. I think I wrote the most in lockdown, but I think that's probably true for everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah, possibly during my masters and then during lockdown. But like then looking forward to the future then and going to the end, not end of this section, but like going to the future just in general of like, where do you see your writing going? Obviously with you doing stuff for the stage, screen, all of that. Are you looking to just continue growing there writing wise or is like, it's like, at least with poetry, for example, is poetry going to be the thing on the side you want to do more as a career or other things taking career? Or is it all very fluid and will flow into each other? Where do you, 
what are your future goals and plans? Tell me your dreams. Tell me everything. <laughs> My dreams. Um, do you know what? That I have so many thoughts on that. Um, because I a re- many years ago, I it I think it was at the National Student Drama Festival. And I think it was Sean Lennon, who was at the time, I think, an associate director at the Old Vic. Maybe I'm getting, or at the Lyric, whatever. He's a great director. He said, um, and I think that was that was in my final year of uni, and he said something really helpful that I didn't understand at the time. He said, keep your art and your career separate. And I was like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. I make theatre for it. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a director. Like that's my art and my career. What are you talking about? And now I absolutely understand what he mean what he meant because directing for stage and screen and writing for theatre is my career. That's something that I for which I have I have goals and somewhat timelines and that I invest a lot of my time in that I make the bulk of my income from. I don't really want that for poetry because it's something that's very precious for me and also is a lot more it's a lot less political it's a lot less um I don't have to I don't want to have to compromise on anything I want to do it my way um and the only way I can do that is by keeping it protected as not not necessarily a hobby I don't I wouldn't even call it a hobby but I would call it something that career adjacent is sometimes how I describe it it's like it is, it's not work, but I do sometimes make money from it. Um, it's like, it's a love thing. I don't really know. It's, yeah, but I, I, it's, so if I'm keeping my art and my career separate, like, yes, my directing is very much an art and it is my art, but it is not my art, capital M, capital A, um, and keeping my, my poetry, having something creative that I keep protected as I do this my way. And if you don't want, if, if, that makes means that you don't want to pay me to do it. That's fine. Um, also, having a quote unquote career in poetry is not impossible, but a sort of nebulous thing because most, in general, most writers, most authors of uh, prose or poetry, or like pu- published authors, don't make the bulk of their money off their books or even readings of poetry they make their money off speaking engagements and teaching um so I think that's also worth bearing in mind I've come this has gone off on a bit of a tangent but I feel very strongly about this about um career you asked me a direct question I did not answer it again tangents are fine and like it's one of those things as well of like I fully agree with you in a lot of that it's that thing of it's not to say that even in your career that there can't be any elements of that are become capital M, capital A, my art. Yeah. Like there will be, when you do get a little bit more freedom and stuff, it is a bit of like, oh, I'm going to add in a little bit of something of like, oh, I like that. And like, I feel that with some of the work I do, obviously as a video editor, yeah. it is a creative thing, but obviously it's w- with clients and feedback and all that stuff. And there are some, the odd jobs when it's like, oh, you have freedom to do whatever you want to kind of thing. And it's like, oh, I can almost flex yeah. a little bit or do something a bit more me in here. And like, it's not the, in that divide of my art and my career that, they are complete divide and cannot ever cross over in any way, shape or yeah. form. There'll be some things that like, there's so many things are fluid and will have parts that will flow into it similarly as well with the whole career adjacent side of things. There will also be some yeah. of that was like, cool, well, this is a moment when it's got to be a bit more career focused. Cause like, yes, this is fun, but also I do need to 
if you're going to ask me to do a thing, can I get money for this? Because it's nice to get money sometimes for some of the things. So yeah, that also I think has levels to it because I like there are there are poets who are like this is my whole career it's my whole thing it's the main thing that I'm gonna make my income from um and I do think like it's not always about the fee for you it's about setting a precedent for this is the fee if you have to pay like that you have to pay for this also especially if um if the you know the event that's putting on is going to make money for it they have to you know it caught co- yeah it's you know there's admin costs admin costs associated with like planning any kind of event um like poetry nights and and whatever um but people only come because you've got performers or because they want to perform um I've just knotted that whole no, but like, thing in my head. My brain's just gone in yeah, a circle. Like, Do you, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm and like, like, it's, it's a thing of like, I think about it a lot and because poetry is so nowhere close to my main time income or yeah. thing, I and I am very comfortable doing this for fun and I will call it more of a hobby at times because I do find this is yeah. a fun hobby. I have to find that balance between this is a fun hobby, but I can't just because I can afford to say doing something for yeah. a slightly reduced fee. You know, like even things like, I like taking pictures at people's events. So I will do that as a fun little favor for a friend sometimes, but I almost have to make it clear. This is my favor to you. This is me doing a nice thing. This is not the thing that should be the standard. I am just doing this out of the goodness of my heart. Yeah. As a career and other people, they need to be paid a certain amount. And I don't want to take away from how much people should be paid and earning. Yeah, which is interesting because once I think you posted like an Instagram story once about saying like your favorite hobby and it was photography. And I was like, really? Not poetry? And you were like, that's different. Mm. Which is interesting. I, I mean, to be fair, I do probably enjoy, not, I don't say that I enjoy photography more, but like, I, I consider poetry a hobby. And I think part of why I can't call poetry my favorite hobby is because so much of it is now, not say burdened by the career side of it, but it, the career side of it has definitely become a part of it that I can't, like, I view it as a hobby, but it's never always just fun. Whereas photography, for the most part, at least at that time, yeah. was just fun. There was no pressure for anything. There was no, yeah. as much as I've got a good reputation with my photography, it wasn't like, oh, you're in, oh, in a, in that vein, in the ego way of people saying, oh my God, you're Tywin Lewis and I've built a name up for myself in poetry. Humble brag. I've not got, that same reputation in photography and I can have that yeah. as much more of a hum, little niche thing that is my little yeah. hobby and thing. And especially because of how I do it in my home studio here, it is often a level of friend come down yeah. for the day and our thing for the day happens to be taking pictures yeah. where some friends will be, we'll play PS5. Whereas poetry, what it's still fun is a little, is yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. There's a thing with, Poetry sometimes feels like a two-way thing and it sometimes feels like a one-way thing. <laughs> but it isn't a... Com- it's a conversation in a, in some ways, but it's a conversation where one person is share- one pe- you know, People can only really share things one at a time. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Unless you do collaborative poems, but then it is two people sharing something with everyone else and it's sort of like they're the one side of the conversation. And like, as much and- as you can write poems to yourself at home etc there is still a level of i'm not saying that you're not a poet if you just write to yourself but there is some level of especially unsurprisingly we are doing the spoken word side of things with we are performers 
there's a part of it. It's like we need an audience to perform it to. Otherwise, it's... You say that, but I remember in like second year of uni being up at like drunk at 2 a.m. with my housemates reading poems to each other. But there's, <laughs> but my point being that there needs to be someone on the listening and an audience in that yeah, general yeah, further yeah. someone no, to yeah, listen yeah, to yeah, it yeah. rather than legitimately actually yeah, yeah. in crowd audience in that yeah, way. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. So like, again, you can write poems at home on your own. I'm not saying you're not a poet in that way, but there is definitely a bit of like, who's this going to? Is someone to yeah. go to kind of thing? And I think that's what, not the poetry needs it, but it feels definitely more of a thing in that kind of, I mean, photography is the same as well, because I need to post a picture somewhere. Yeah. Well, I think beautiful things, it's like sort of like if, if I read a poem aloud in an empty room and no one hears it, is it a poem? Like, yeah, it is. Like, I read other people's poetry aloud to myself sometimes. Because if I'm reading a poetry, if I'm reading a poetry collection, and I don't immediately get it in my head. Sometimes I have to read it out loud and I'm like, oh, now I get this. Um, oh, that I feel that of like sometimes saying the words out loud. Now I understand yeah. it. And like I'm reading, I, they're the same words. Yeah. I've read them, but just. Like, well, I mean, it also depends on the poet. Like some poets really like reading their work. I'm like, the, I read them and I'm like, this really demands to be spoken aloud but i've a really vi- i have a really vivid imagination so i can sometimes like just hear things in my head like i can read k tempest in my head and feel like i'm reading it aloud if that makes sense just because their poems just kind of leap off the page but my, my mum has asked me to read one of my poems for my book to her because she's not heard me say it out loud and level yeah. like she wants to hear where i'd put my inflections in the poem etc yeah that's what i find so interesting about reading because you and i at two gigs now together <laughs> or you've headlined together twice i i like headlining yes. with you it's quite nice um but i like our game of like reading each other's poems out loud because like my poems sound so different in your style of performing um and vice versa and I remember the first time we did that and I picked the most Jewish poem to give you <laughs> and not. you picked the blackest poem to yes. give me, um, which hasn't aged well. This anecdote hasn't aged well because it was your Kanye poem. Um, <laughs> I will still do that. <laughs> I, well, I'm not that bad. <laughs> no, oh, no comment, actually. No comment, no comment, no comment, no comment. <laughs> you wouldn't make me read that poem no, out again. No, no. Where are you going? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I will use that as a good time to go for the end of this section. And we're now going to go into our conversational section okay. called Let's Talk About. Awesome. What are we talking about? Now is the section called Let's Talk About, where we will talk about a subject and see... I mean, it's been... I was going to say six episodes. Now this is now guaranteed this will be the sixth episode. I... It's been six episodes now. Excellent. I can future plan. And this is where you've seen we go off tangent a few times. So we'll, but we'll pick a topic to start with. And the topic we're going to start with is competition. So as we officially met during a poetry slam, I feel that's a good one to oh, talk yeah. over. See, I, good hosting it's sometimes. Great. It's a Occasionally. Callback. Exactly. But yeah, um, I guess in general, what are your thoughts on competition in let's say writing in general uh i have a i have so many thoughts about this um because also i remember i know exactly why i feel the way i do and specifically the way i feel the way i do is because when i won genesis slam i'd never competed in a slam in my life um and i won genesis slam 
And then if you win one of the slams throughout the year, you compete against all the other winners in the final in December. You know this because um, you've done it so many Never times. Nevertheless, for the podcast listeners and viewers, if yeah. they don't, if for not aware. For my parents who will listen to this. Um, <laughs> um, so you're competing against other people who've all won the same thing you have. Um, and so, and you were in that final as well. And I remember so vividly, and like the Genesis Lamp in particular is very arbitrary because they just pick five random judges from the audience so it's like which i think is the best way to do it to be honest because it's like you know nobody's a quote-unquote expert like these are just people who've come here to enjoy poetry there's no bias like they take off the top score and the bottom score average the middle three um i think honestly i think randos is the best way to do it yeah um and I think it was what it was. I, my opening poem for the first round was the one that had won me in the third round in October. And then after the first round, when they read out people who'd gone through, you got through this first round and I didn't. And you, I remember it so clearly because you just went, yes, next to me. And I felt like I was going to cry. Um, I think my eyes welled up and I just looked at the ceiling because I was like, if you cry at this, you're fucking pathetic. God. <laughs> I was so mad that I was so upset. Um, and then I was like, because Genesis, because Genesis Slam, I think is the, ugh, I say this and I, I was about to say it's the only slam I would ever compete in. As the I, expert on all slams, who's someone who's been to every single slam, continue no, the comment. No, I, per, like personally, I love the way they do it because the whole vibe is this doesn't mean anything. It's a game. It's a parlor game. It's something fun. You know, they're, they're something they say a lot on the night is applaud the poet, not the points. And the, the point, point is, is not the point. The point is the poetry. Exactly. And because it doesn't matter. Art is subjective. Poetry especially. Like we have a an inside joke, an inside joke. We have a running joke of um, two Jews, three opinions. And I think it's the same with poets. I think it's two poets, three opinions. Um, so I, I, I knew all of that and I was still really upset. So, oh, my mum was there. Oh, so I lost in front of my mum. And, but I was like, but all my mates have gone through. So why, I'm like, oh, anyway. And it just really crushed me. And I was like, I never want to feel this way again. And I realised that I just put so much pressure on myself being, being to be a good poet. And because Real Women went viral as well, and I started getting, I got recognised like at work, like people on the bar who'd, who'd seen me perform it various nights. And I was like, and I kind of thought I was hot shit and then I felt like I got crushed and I was like, I don't need to be hot shit and I don't think it's good for me. Not as not as a poet, certainly. Maybe as a playwright, as a director, great. <laughs> but like as a poet, it's not good for me. It doesn't, it's not what I want poetry to be for me. Um, so I just decided, I was like, no, I'm, I cannot look at it this way. I need poetry to be protected. Um, and I think especially because I view, I quite firmly view poetry as a community and not an industry. Um, because most poets who are career poets often make most of their money doing other things. At, like, as I said, or they'll branch out and also write novels or also write, like Kate Tempest also writes plays, also puts out albums. You look at Inua Elms and how successful Inua yeah, has been exactly. in the theatre world. Not that he's not been successful in the poetry world, but... No, but Inua Elms has become like a much better known name from his plays. So I'm not saying poetry is not important or poetry is like a starter pack. It's not. Poetry is gorgeous and beautiful and wonderful in its own right. Um, 
but there are far few readers and viewers of poetry than there are readers and viewers of other work and that has been the case for a very long time I don't think that's changing anytime soon um so I want to keep it protected and I think competition I think if you're if you're viewing you know prizes and awards and you know winning slams as a marker that you are a good poet that you're you know that your work is the best or that you are the best performer I just I don't think that it's going to help you or your poetry that isn't my opinion that is not a fact um I just like I do also kind of feel this way about like plays and films and stuff and 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 books actually I feel this way about a lot of art (laughs) forms like I read I read a book recently that's won loads of awards I kind of you know what fuck it that it's the process again the award-winning process podcast so I read this is how you lose the time war um which had been recommended by like every book person that I follow on the internet everyone's been raving about it it then went like mainstream viral on twitter and it's like it's quite queer coded science fiction post-apocalypse I'm like yes this is made for me and I read it and I really really didn't like it and I was like am I stupid and I was like no I just think this book is bad (laughs) opinion not fact but I was I know exactly why I didn't like it as well I can pinpoint exactly what I think would have made it better but like I really didn't like it it's won loads of awards like there are plenty of pieces of art and in every medium that win loads of awards and just are not good. There are loads of films that have won Oscars that I think are absolute dog shit. Like there's, you know, I, every time I, I, I read a lot of the books that are on like the women's, the women's um, fiction prize, a short list or long list. And I like half the time, I think these are amazing prize winning. This book should win. Great. And half the time I'm like, this is bad. Other books are better. What are you talking about? Art is subjective. And it, it's also, the poetry community is small. It's pockets of communities in various cities around the world. They don't really communicate with one another. Like a famous poet in New York is not gonna be a famous poet in London. Like if you get the slam poet, the like, you know, award, the, the best spoken there word There are like in New five York. or six named poets that can go a grant you really Francisco's, et cetera, are one yeah. of like the few poets and I've, n- I've seen it from evidence. You really Francisco's, you're, oh well, God, like, damn it. Holly, wow. Holly McNish. Yeah. If Holly McNish went to headline a poetry night in New York, I could be wrong, maybe she's more internationally uh, so, so, famous. Ho- than so, so Holly is in was in that five. Holly McNish is really so? Francisco. At the very, I'd say so, yes. Living, given that yeah. Holly does do a lot of touring, I think her touring is also international as well as UK based. And like, okay. I think Holly McNish, you're really Francisco's, you're I, Shane Coyzan, that's what I'm thinking of. Shane Coyzan. Yeah. Right, Shane Coyzan. But I don't think he could come here now. I think 10 years ago, well, if Shane Coyzan I mean, literally here, 10 years ago, he did come here. We right. did see him. He did do sellout shows here. Yeah, but but his, you know, to this, you, because to this day went viral. Like, so, but you've got now, your, maybe I don't think your buddy Wakefield, but there's a the point being, like, there's a couple of poets that can do yeah. that, but it's- Neil Hillborn. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sarah Kay. I think people would see Sarah Kay anywhere. Yeah, but so on a lot of this, so I've there I've got a couple of tangents. I'll see how many I actually do stick to. Um, there is always the in the same way that people say the point is not the points. The point is the poetry. Mm. There is 
I think a slightly harmful one that goes around of the best poet doesn't win a slam. I think that's a very harmful yeah. one. I, I get the sentiment behind it to some degree, but I think it's a bit harmful. It goes along with the things that the thing of like slam, you know, comedy does better in slams. Funny yeah. poems win slams. I'm like, I don't think that's always true. <laughs> I've seen plenty of really heartfelt, heart wrenching poems win slams. <laughs> like my poems aren't that funny. Or at least I don't think they're very funny. Sometimes other people think they're funny and that's very nice. But I like I've won slams with really depressing poems. Um, In Gal- June, Mer- Gal- recently <laughs> recent at the time of reco- I'm, I'm trying to think of when i'm posting this and when i'm recording this <laughs> at the time of recording it the last genesis slam jake nathan won it and yeah. his last poem was a poem about grenfell yeah and it's like well yeah it's like that's not a comedy poem but like so i will push back on that to some degree on the whole best poet doesn't win a slam but also what i will say it is, and it's a conflicting thing almost of I really love having the audience judge slams. I think that's really good. Yeah. And I think it's a really good thing to have poets properly be judged and how well is it affecting the audience, how well the audience are responding to it. Because we, we we talk to ourselves too much. Poets talk to poets too much. And I think yeah. it's good that we're talking to an audience and the audience is judging us. The, the challenge for me, and this is a thing that, which is also just a thing in art in general of, as someone who writes their own art, I will occasion or makes their own art. I will occasionally see some things that, to me, feel very on the nose and basic and not deep enough, not really challenging or Rude. pushing. <laughs> I didn't say or mention anyone. <laughs> I was not even thinking of anyone in particular at Carry that point. On. But I will see some pieces of work that I think, to me, feel a little bit surface level. Mm. But for an audience, that is the best thing they've heard. Yeah. And it's that challenge of, I think that shit, I think that I could have written that poem. I didn't write it. So. Yeah, that's all modern art. But, and that's, that's all modern art is. It's, and, oh, I could have done that, but I didn't. Yeah. But like, it, there is that side of things and all like that thing of like, either some level of, oh, I could have written it, but someone I haven't, or some level of, I've heard these five poets do it better. Yeah. But then at the same time, what I have to try and tell myself is level of, but they're not here today. That doesn't matter that they've done it exactly. better. It's for me, at least in a level of, well, I'm not going to say that poem is the best poem because I personally don't think it's the best yeah. poem and that's fully valid, but it's also equally valid that that audience member who's judging it today yeah. does think it's the best poem. Yeah, and I, I think that is what's really valuable because that, about audiences judging slams and like the whole, sorry, I'm about to burp down the mic. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was the most pathetic verb. Um, is that I think poets sometimes forget who we're, who we're writing for. I'm not writing poetry for uh, just poets. And I think there is a, a specific poet who um, I guess most people will know I have beef with. He doesn't know I have beef with him, but I do. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We're with you. And one of the things that I have beef with is the fact that he thinks poetry should be inaccessible and that we should make make the readers work for it. And I'm like, I don't fucking want, I, I don't want that in poetry. When I read poetry, I'm happy to work. I'm happy to do a certain amount of work, but no more than I would do for a novel or a play. No more than, or, or a nonfiction book. I'm not prepared to like investigate, to, you know, go in with a fine tooth, tooth comb and figure out what the fuck you're talking about. Um, and like, I, I know... I want my poetry to be enjoyed by anyone, not everyone, because that's not possible, but anyone. Um, and people have 
people have said that they like my poetry, that they don't normally like poetry, but they like mine because I write how I speak, which isn't true. Uh, <laughs> but um, but I do write more how I speak than some than 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 this poet that I have beef with. Um, and, you know, like the way that some people have put it before, that you and I have very um, conversational styles of poetry. And the people that like our poetry, which is plenty of people, like that. The people that don't, don't. And that's fine. But I think people that judge slams are often very uh, kind of <laughs> look too deep. I'm like, do what, do people enjoy it? Is it, you know, is it doing something that you haven't seen today? Is it, has it reached you? Can you see what that poet... I think the one thing I will say is that it frustrates me. When you, when you say surface level, I think you and I mean slightly different things. But when oh, yeah. I think surface level, I think, I don't know what this poet's opinion is. I don't know. I don't see this. I don't see that person in the poem they've just given me. They've talked about something so broad without... But, but that, then I also... I talked to my mum about this and my mum was like, why should you have to put yourself in a poem? And I was like, valid point. So. Well, yeah, so, like, so for me, at least with that, again, it's also part of my Tyrone's personal opinion of things is <laughs> my, my personal opinion and what I value. And this is, again, my value thing rather than saying something's not good if it doesn't do this. But my thing I value is I love something when it's like, uh, either you put yourself in it, but like some level of that poem is only something you can write. Yeah, I value that's why, that. Yeah, exactly. And like yeah. some of that can be it's your personal story. So you're in it and only you can write that only you your story. Yeah. Some of that can be just the way you write, the way you talk, well, etc. Yeah. A great example. And, sorry. You no, go. Go. A great example is Tim Kiley's poem about Andrew Tate, where he puts, he put, you know, he does, he performs the poem as if he's Andrew Tate. And like, you might not get who Tim Kiley is from that poem, but you'll certainly get how Tim Kiley feels and th- about Andrew Tate, how Tim Kiley thinks that no one else would do. Like, so it's it's like, I'm not, I don't have to see into your soul, but I want to know something about you that I didn't know before. And that might just be your sense of humour, your way of speaking. And this is my thing with some, when I say the surface level poems and the stuff that doesn't yeah. well in the slam, not again, not to diss these poems, because they, they have their place, they've got value. And also as well, a valid, valid point of all this level of, I have no idea what level of the writer these people, where they are in their writing journey. Some of them could be their first yeah. poem and... God knows how many of my first poems were surface level or whatever, yeah. but like that thing of you done your you've done your poem and like you basically your poem's basic theme is racism is bad and it's like I agree with you. <laughs> are, are you going to say anything more than that? Uh, no, you're not. You're just saying racism is bad. It's like okay, yeah. it is. Oh, that's it. Oh, that's all yeah. we're doing. Okay, then. And for me, I'd want more from that, but obviously, that's me as a personal opinion thing. And yeah. like some people, especially audiences that come to slams, yeah, today that's all they needed to hear, and like just to not move the conversation on, but to ask a question so it's not just me ranting. Um, <laughs> or me ranting. Oh, this I mean, is just how we have normal conversations. I mean, though, and I'm thinking like, do people, are people interested in the conversation? They do because parasocial relationships is the thing. Yeah. But although I do remember once on the way, on the train home from process, you and I were having pretty much this exact style of conversation <laughs> and someone, and someone who's now a process regular part of the family um, was just meeting us for the first time, was just listening to our conversation. I was like, I'm really sorry. We're not normally like this. And then I thought, yeah, we fucking are. <laughs> I mean, like, to be, to be fair, that's part of the conceit I had with process to begin with and the idea of we have these conversations in a bar that we all enjoy listening or being a part of. So just put it online was part yeah. of the conceit anyway. Anyway, question. Yes. T- Ask tangents. me. The whole conceit behind Poetry Slams was to bring 
poetry to the audience again. There was a movement in the 80s started by, I want to say started by Mark Smith in Chicago to try and to try and basically make poetry more for the people again. And that's what slams right. were started with. And with that, that was giving something back to the audience. And I, looking at the scene, making a generalization, but one with some knowledge behind it, that slams do often tend to get a lot of people to them more than a lot of open mic nights. And I say that to me, phrase that. Slams get a lot of people who aren't poets to them more than open mic right. nights do. And like, you look at the audiences at slams, and like things like Genesis, et cetera, which gets a fairly regular audience, even things like, even you also look at things like Hammer and Tongue Hackney, et cetera. Yeah. And like, they are audiences that will be often full of people that aren't poets. And I think that's a, a thing. cage matchy, isn't it? <laughs> it is. But like, that's the thing that poet, that slams are, are good for. And that competition yeah. element to them entices the audience. You look at the Roundhouse Slam, for example, right. and that's one of the Roundhouse's biggest, not biggest, but like, it's been a regular in the Roundhouse's stage for 18 19 yeah. years and it is that thing of we all know as poets it's not the point to win them but yeah it gets people into the room so yeah. where are you on that that's a valid point i hadn't thought about it <laughs> um i don't this thing, i don't think slams are bad i just think there's so much pressure put on it like i think I feel a bit bad actually, um, but he's been nice to me since then, so I think he's forgiven me. The first time that I met Matt Salby at um, oh yes, <laughs> at process, and I, you were like, oh, the UK Unislam Uni Uni champion, and I like on stage, I was like, yeah, that's really nice, but it doesn't mean anything. I, I didn't say exactly. <laughs> I said it in a much nicer way. I said it in a much nicer way. I think I did a you. I was like, oh, it's so nice that this is exact. That's what I did. <laughs> I said afterwards we were talking. I when I came up after he finished and I said something like um you know winning a slam doesn't actually mean anything so it, it's really nice to like see a slam winner that's actually really great um I did what you did when we met um <laughs> and um what was the question you asked me um feelings <laughs> of, yeah feelings and audiences coming to slams and yeah I don't think there's anything wrong with that I just think the like the pressure that people put on themselves and that I put on myself as well of like, once you win one slam, you have to win them all. And, you know, it's like how, I don't hate, I don't think they're a bad time in general. I don't think they're bad at all. I just think the way that we do them, I, I just, I just don't, don't think it should be about the competition element i think it or at least i like that genesis is like this is a competition but it's like a competition in as much as like winning a game of cards is a competition like you want to win but it doesn't actually mean that you're only good at cards like sorry that's really no, reductive i don't i don't know that so, just came out of my mouth and i don't actually believe that so <laughs> just for my so what i like so i like competition as a general thing and i kind of like competition in poetry if only for looking I like, I think with competition, one of the things as well as also the asterisk beside a lot of this stuff of like healthy competition. Healthy competition, yeah. I think is really good. And I think that is, and like part of it for me, I know is like, whilst yes, I will celebrate going through a slam. I think I was literally saying Jake Nathan about this the other day at Genesis of like, if I lose, it's fine. I'm not going to be like, yeah. oh my God. Like, and I, you did. Yeah. Like, <laughs> as, as my Instagram story said, which was again, for, literally I, I, wrote, I wrote it as he was going on stage and he fucking... I said, if Jake, like I did, I did scored well in that slam. Yeah. 
his final final poems like first poet goes up got a respectable score yeah i went up and say like, oh i got all nine okay that was a good score yeah and then yeah and then the and then my instagram story was like as long as jake nathan goes up and doesn't do his grandfather poem i might be able to win this slam Jake and Nathan then, yeah. does his grandfather poem me like, oh, fuck off. But <laughs> like very tongue in cheek jokingly. Yeah. And that thing of like, I can support him. Like, you you did good. That's a great poem. As long as yeah. you, I, I, I regularly but, will mention. Yeah. No, no, finish the sentence. I regularly will mention um, a UK slam a while ago, UK slam championships. And it was keeping up the scores going into the final round. And like, okay, top three go through to the final round. At Going into that last poet, I was... <laughs> Sorry. You're fine. <laughs> but yeah, going into that last poet, so I was currently third. I was like, okay, cool. As long as I can beat this last poet, I get through to the final round. Yeah. And part of the, okay, so another poem after that, which is part of my in general yeah. competition. But like, okay, I, if I do beat this last poet, I can go through. Last poet is Rachel Nakuru. Right. Who does her poem about being a queer, disabled black woman. Right, and so ticks more boxes than you. And, like, whilst, and, and obviously, it's legitimately a good poem, and Rachel is yeah. a legitimately fantastic poet. So, like, it was a great poem anyway. Yeah. But there's also that thing of, like, well, that's going to win, fine. But, like, I'm comfortable with, like, yeah, fine. It was actually a better poem. It won. It should go through. It, yeah. She won the night. Well, it's all great. But, like, my, my point is I like healthy competition, and I think it is good to have healthy competition. And with that as well, especially for slams and my tangent for audiences is... I think poets bring a better performance at slams a lot of the time. And as much as a lot of poets are trying to win the slam, therefore they are putting on a proper, yeah. not proper performance. That's a bad way of phrasing it. But like they are. It's put- more crafted yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And like not the open mics or anything else don't bring good performances, but there is a, if you are an audience member coming to a show, there is one show here where everyone is trying out their best stuff and putting on their best versions of themselves, arguably. Yeah. Re- re- reducing it down to what it can be. Or you've got the, this event here where someone wrote the poem on the way here. It's going to be a bit of shit. They'll be looking at their phone the whole time. Yeah. And it's part of why I said, well, I like the competition. I like someone putting their all into it. Yeah. Is my thoughts and feelings yeah no i i also had a thought in the middle and then i told you to finish your thoughts i forgot my <laughs> thoughts um yeah it's also you and i've talked about this before about what like what audiences are looking for on that night what they're going to connect oh, yeah. with is like like sometimes people are really there for feminism one night and yeah. then then you know the next month they're like they clearly all just connect with comedy and that's it um and then the next time it's like something's happened in the in politics and people only want like Brexit poems or whatever. Um, you also then the got time. things like where you fall in the slam, like, oh, you've done your serious poem right after the funny oh poem. God, and sometimes yeah. that works really well for you. Or sometimes like I was still recovering from that serious poem and therefore your funny poem is just not going to land despite yeah. how good it is. And like, yeah, that's all that is. Re- that is legit. That is really hard. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I remember actually the first time you would have seen me perform I did a poem about uh sexual assault at um my London and I was the penultimate person before the interval so someone went after me and then there was an interval and like people kept saying to me during the interval oh like no one heard that other poem because we were still reeling from yours no one was listening and I was like I don't want that I don't want to hear that my poem was so impactful that you didn't listen to the the next brilliant poem like that's not a compliment. Like I like 
it's but then I'm also thinking maybe I shouldn't perform that poem anymore if it's like scene stealing is the wrong word but like if you know that's also what's interesting about like like what um Hunter and and Shah Bailey do with the the Big Quick Poetry Show is that like knowing the type of poets they're programming and curating a night that that balances that it's really hard to create a balance at poetry night um that was also a tangent that wasn't a direct answer. This no. is also how a conversation goes oh, sometimes yeah. is that you'll say something and then I'll say something completely different. And I mean, no one will that's else. what, again, the more I, re- <laughs> the more I research and do podcast stuff, the more it's, it's people that's talking. Like I keep, I spend a whole while going over like how to make a podcast work. What are the segments and things and like how professional yeah. I have to be as a host. And it's like, oh, you're just talking. That, that, yeah. you're, you are literally just talking. <laughs> it's just having a conversation. I can do that then. But that's what people like about process. It's just you and I being chaotic besties all night. But also with that as well, I think, going to the slam side of things, I think it's actually a really good thing. Cause like in having the host there, I think they can also help. Yes. The competition is the gimmick and gets people in the door and yeah. get into it. The host relieve the pressure on it. And I think a good host, especially in a slam yeah. can hopefully make you feel less pressured about like, yes, someone's winning it, but like, it's fine. We're cool. And you are buffer between it and you can have yeah. the games with the audience to kind of, yeah break it all not break it all down yeah oh i remember what i was that. gonna say is that that's actually the difference between the lot between the final in 2017 genesis final and the genesis final 2022 that we were both in because i also didn't get through the first round but all of my friends did so i was like fuck yeah guys and then i just got to support my friends all night and i didn't feel like shit at all so proof that i enjoy poetry more when i'm not putting the pressure to win i still will compete in a slam but only Genesis. I've said that I, I, I don't think I'd compete in any other slam. Maybe I would, but I probably wouldn't feel great about it. Obviously, so much of this, been com- this conversation has centred around poetry slams, but obviously competition isn't just in slams. And I'm not going into anything. Trust me, I'm not going into where you think I'm going from that one. <laughs> uh, especially looking at page and stage, a lot of the stage side of things is the poetry slams, but in the page side of things, you obviously have so many writing competitions and writing journals etc mm-hmm. so like whilst i mean writing competitions by definition are competitions they are competitive so like yeah that seems to almost get a pass a lot of the time when it comes to people talking about competitions so like is it any different with writing competitions and anything like that in what way in terms of like how we view slams and how we review writing competitions and like is the competition mm-hmm. in writing in writing competitions different to it is in poetry competitions with slams it's still subjective but i think it it depending on the competition i think it takes into account it there's often a more rigorous i say often it depends but in the major ones there's certainly a much more rigorous process of assessment so like um for example, the Verity Bargate Award, which is one of the major playwriting awards in the UK, um, goes through two stages of being read by various theatre professionals across the UK. And then um, a shortlist will go to judges who are um, like leading industry professionals like and people who've been involved in the award in some way before, but people who like Phoebe, Phoebe Waller-Bridge was a judge last year. Um, and uh, not Stephen Moffat's in my head because someone was talking about him last night, not him, the other one, the better one. 
Who wrote Doctor Who and created Russell T. It. Davies. So thank you, Russell T. Davies. I, yeah, um, Russell T. Davies was a judge one year. Like, people who have read and written so many scripts by now, they know in and out what, and they're not just judging on how good it is, they're judging on how, that it's, it's, you know, what audiences will think based on their decades of experience in, um, in how plays work and how scripts work. Um, and sometimes plays win the Verity Bargate Award that I don't love, but I can see why they were, why they won. Um, or that I think, you know, like if I knew one of the plays on the shortlist and then it didn't win and I liked the one on the shortlist better than the one I saw, but I went, you know, but going, okay, I still understand why they chose that winner. Um, and likewise with, um, I also think it's slightly different because there's because there's money involved um, or like not not money. I take that back. There's a tangible there's, there's a tangible award. So like the Verity Bargate, you win a lump sum and also they produce your play. It gets published. It sometimes tours um, if it gets picked up by a commercial producer. Like you get something tangible from that that will that will in a in a in a big way affect your career as a playwright. Um, I, I think, but then some, you know, smaller, like I won second place in a, in a create, in a short story competition that was just like a really small book festival. And I was like, that most likely was like a panel of readers that just decided which one they liked best. Um, but I still got my short, the entire shortlist was published and I won, uh, a a sum of money for winning second place so but everyone on the shortlist had their story published in an anthology so there's something tangible that comes out of that I think bragging rights doesn't really mean that much really like in I don't know if I believe sometimes I say things and I'm like maybe that was a thesis that was maybe a hypothesis and not something I actually believe I will um but I I do think there's something different about that something about like it, it it's all subjective it is and like the players that win awards scripts that win awards that that mo- most of the time playwriting awards come with a production so that will be the winner will be pr- that and then a produced play um and then you get press coming to see it and sometimes they hate it so you know does that mean that they chose the wrong script or does it mean that you can't always tell from a script what a play will feel like when it's alive on stage. Uh, um, my two comments on this initially are, I think I've said it to a few people before, but like one of my favourite ever slams I did was the Axis slam. The slamming crew, um, I forgot what the application thing for it was, but essentially anyone could be up for it for the most part. Right. You had to, got to go to, you had to, you had to annoyingly pay for your way to get to crew, if memory serves. Right. So you're paying to get to crew, paying for accommodation for the night. But the winner of that slam was, if you won that slam, you then got to do a feature gig in Liverpool and Glasgow and Edinburgh yeah. and something else. I can't remember what the other one was. But like, so like, and I did that and I won that slam, which was great. And that thing of like, that, that was my favourite. <laughs> you just... You, you, no. <laughs> I love you and support you in everything that you do. Carry on. 
the winner of the like, winning that was like cool that helped me get to places and things I wasn't yeah. able to go to so like it was yeah. a thing to take me beyond there so I guess now as a tangent and to finish off this let's talk about section about going into too many specifics because I know it's going to go into a dangerous territory <laughs> you've is. got those like prestigious writing awards that therefore are tangible so I guess with competition and spoken word and cause this is whilst not officially but pri- primarily more of a spoken word podcast you've then got some awards and spoken word some are big some are small etc to make it not too pointed at anyone at the moment you do i know i know but i was gonna more go for things like legitimately one of the talking points at the moment is also the forward prize and the forward prize opened up to have a spoken word as a category this year yes i saw that so there is that again competition there and like my point was going to be, and it such is a level of, in looking at all the things, you've got the forward prize, which has got its small panel of judges. And they're going to decide what the best spoken word performance mm. that they saw is. But at the same time, it also feels a bit like, I mean, yay that we are forward level and we're loving that. But it is going to be similar to the thing of like, today this panel chose that. And then tomorrow that panel could go in a slam and be out in the first round. Mm. So like, I guess just general thoughts on a forward prize except the spoken word and just be a, a guess award shows in general, but you can choose how far you go into that one. Oh, I don't even know. You know? <laughs> um, I don't, I kind of wonder who's on the panel for that. I know at least Joelle Taylor was on the panel for forward. Okay, sure. She won... They? She? They? I think still she. I don't know. Joelle won. Yes. <laughs> uh, won the forward prize for Kunto? Yes. Right? Yes. I think there is something to be said for previous prize winners being judges. Because I think that sort of... Knowing what it's like to put your... St- being still in that place where you're still putting your stuff out there in a big... In a sort of big earlier way. Um, m- maybe... I don't know. I think because it's new, it's kind of hard to tell. But I do think I like the fact that forward are acknowledging that spoken word that poet that's that speaking poetry aloud is a big part of literature. Um, the oral tradition. Yeah, exactly, and that it's an important part of literature, and you know where literature came from in the first place, because spoken language is tens of thousands of years older than written language. I, I, if I say that one more time, uh, <laughs> um, but it Get is on a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, I should make a t-shirt. But it is true. Like you know, people weren't fucking writing things down in, you know, the Bible was passed down orally for generations, and then someone wrote it down eventually. Um, so I think, I think it's great that they're including it, that they're acknowledging that it's not an that it's not an afterthought it's it's part of the world of literature but you know plenty of great novels never won prizes plenty of great films never won prizes empire records i think is one of the greatest films ever made um and like five people have seen it so um you know plenty plenty of plenty of art goes completely unacknowledged my favorite you know, poets haven't necessarily won awards and my favorite poets on the scene are not slam yeah. winning poets the amount of times i've been to a slam it's like 
that was my favorite poem and that poem did not even make it through the first round Ex- and audience yeah. gave it a six or whatever and yeah. like but i how did you not see what i saw yeah. hear what i heard but there's but then there's also like there's something to be said for simplicity as well of like that william carlos williams poem the poem oh this is just to say have you heard that <laughs> poem it's like six lines long it's the one about plums i know i'm aware yeah, yeah, i'm, I'm aware right. that was, a, that was a, yeah yeah <laughs> v- visual. do you hate that poem I I have I've, I nothing it. I love that poem. It's so silly, and it's not like I can love it and not think it's great literature. But then I think that does make it great literature because I'm like, what a silly poem that is now like studied in school. Just some dude nicked someone else's ice, someone's plums from the icebox and apologized for it. It's but I I love it. I think it's an ex- extraordinary poem and it doesn't do anything special. But I. But no one else has done that. Like, silly poems, man. It doesn't, yeah. Sometimes it's not that deep. And I love that that poem was like, it's not that deep, but I nicked your plums, soz. Like, I think just to wrap up (laughs) this section, I think, I feel like with slams, with writing competitions, with award shows, with a lot of that, they do seem to veer towards it has to mean something and say yeah. something and even though i already prefaced this whole thing with starting off like oh it's something's a two surface level blah 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 there is a level of no sometimes just the dumb fun ones like give me that more and i don't think yeah but i don't think this is just to say is a it's a surface level not, poem but but it, like it, i don't think it is at all i don't think it's uh, but i know what you mean I don't think it's surface level. It's surface level in that it's just saying, sorry, I stole your plums. <laughs> but I think the fact that someone put that in a poem and gave it line breaks and like the line breaks really give you the tone of voice that that person is using. It's kind of like the way that we text, like it's comical and sweet and like someone thought to write that. And I think that Makes the it not art to it isn't necessarily the words itself, but how they are laid out, how they are used, etc. Yeah, if you will. and even the fact that they wrote it. Yeah. Like, the fact that someone wrote a poem. Like, oh God, someone came to process last month that I think stopped halfway through their, their set to be like, it sounds like I'm making fun of poetry. I'm not. Um, uh, yeah. But one of their poems was literally one word. And I was like, yeah, that's great. Because it's funny. And it and I get what that person's about. Ra does that a lot as well. Like yeah, Ra Petherbridge poems. Yeah, extraordinary in that way. And it and people really enjoy it and love it and get a sense of who Ra is from it, even if it's just silly nothingness. I'm very aware that, like, especially when I was booking, it's one of the few. I, we have gone through how I can be bitchy with how I book features, <laughs> etc. Yeah. And like Ra was almost the exception of like so much of the time. I'm like, I want to see them a couple more times, etc. I saw Ra once at Elle's book. Yeah. I was like, we're booking her. We're doing that. Yeah. That was, that was that. Yeah. No, that I want. That was perfect. Yeah. yeah. Like it, you need people that are doing different things. Yeah. And I don't think poetry is always great for that. But before I go into it, that's a different section conversation for another day. <laughs> We're now going to move into our final section of the day called mm. slow fire questions. Slow fire questions. Yes. I've already done quick fire. So I know. Good. Great. Kill. So for slow fire questions, okay. the premise of this is simple. I like my quick fire questions and some of them I want to expand on because they're interesting potentially to dive into. Okay. So 
in a style of the quick fire questions almost, we're gonna one by we're gonna go through five random questions in here okay. and give them a bit more time and find out more Love of the it. answer for Excellent. it. So let's start by giving me a random number in between one and a hundred. Seven. Perfect. Ooh, interesting one to start off with. Who is your favourite poet? My favourite poet. Yeah, that's see, starting simple. Oh my god. I can't say anything without offending everyone. Um, I I don't know is the answer to that. I don't know. Um, I used to say Sarah Kay, and I still think that's probably true. But I don't. I haven't read her poems in a while. I think it's probably still true. I think I maybe have said that last time. Also, you. I mean, just my friends, really. Like, I could write a list of my friends, and it's just them. Um, oh, no. This is really putting pressure on me. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. No. I'm just going to say Sarah Kay, because... Although, actually... <sighs> no, I can't say anything without upsetting everyone. Give me another number. Okay, three. Favourite spoken word night? Um, it is process, but that is a bias. I run it. Like I, I, but I also like love the poets that come and love the community that we've created. I keep saying, oh, I don't know how we've done this. We feel like we've, we did it by accident. And everyone's like, it doesn't feel like an accident. It feels like you guys craft this night that way on purpose. I know that's really like egotistical and narcissistic of me, but like it's my favorite poetry night. I know that I have to say that because I run it, but it's great and I love it. This is very much the whole stuff. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, not even a humble brag. Words. I've not been humble about it. it We're a good team. We put on a good night. It's a good, it's a good event. Like, I, yeah. like I've been to a lot of events and like, I don't want, I'm, I've been to enough events to say that there are so many other events that I like what they're doing and there are things yeah. that I would love to take from other events. Like I will, I shout out the Loud Poets team because I love what they're doing with poetry. I love yeah. like, whilst obviously I've got all the media shit I'm doing, they are taking that to a different level to me and I love and adore that. I love how professionally they handle a lot of that as well. Yeah. I love that they've got a championship belt that they bring to Knights and I think Process needs one, but and that's that, a different, yeah. different we'll topic for a different, a different day. day. I also really, there are other poetry nights I like. I love <laughs> that Goddamn Poetry Jam. Um, I love Genesis Slam. Um, I really loved Spoken Word London when it was on. It Did it die? It did it die. It, it, it died. I and don't then believe... someone started a new one called Spoken Word London. I'm it, like, you're not though. No, but yeah, no, Spoken Word London died. Talking to the people involved of it, it feels like the people, it's in a similar vein to Boomerang, a level of people yeah. have moved, moved on to do different things yeah. that we can't bring it back. And that's, it, yeah, that happens. Sad. I really loved it. Give me another number, please. 29. Do you have a TV in your room? No. No, I have an iPad that I watch Netflix on. <laughs> like next, <laughs> no, <laughs> no further comments here on it. Okay, cool. No. Give me another number, please. Um, uh, ninety ninety. Oh no, I'm gonna be really childish. Sixty nine. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what is your takeaway of choice? Um, oh, there's a Chinese place near me that does that is really really good, or KFC. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I I had so much KFC during lockdown. Um, yeah. 
on random tangents on this. And I, in call back to you talking about how like beforehand, well nowadays, like almost every other one of your friends is non-binary. Yeah. I am so used to every one of my friends being vegetarian or vegan to some degree <sighs> that the fact, like not that I wouldn't love you already, but the fact that you are not, and the fact that we can go five guys together. We yeah. can have that together. Like I'm not saying you, I'm, you're, that makes you a better friend, but like I, 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 I can enjoy you're that. You're gonna with alienate you. all the vegan poets. I no, mean, I, I, everybody. I, I already have. I know. know my poetry. <laughs> but uh, people think I'm vegetarian. Or people just assume I'm vegetarian constantly. You're a queer poet. You must be a vegetarian. I know. It's like you work in theatre. You're and like my my brother was like, oh, you've got vegetarian vibes <laughs> or a vegetarian aura or something. I'm like, no, I absolutely eat meat. I was vegetarian for a short time in my in my final year of uni, um, and then I felt really sick all the time. So I started eating meat again, and I stopped feeling sick all the time. There you go. Soz. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we'll do two more of these. So give me another number, please. Oh, um, forty-two. Forty-two. Meaning of life. Yeah. Um. No. Will poetry ever be mainstream? Um. Probably not. To be really honest, um, probably not. I don't. I. Th I don't think. I think it should be. I think poetry should be mainstream. Actually, no. I tell a lie. I do think it is. I think it's already mainstream, because I say this all the time. Simon and Garfunkel are fucking poets. Like, there are some musicians whose lyrics are fucking poetry, and I'm not saying like. It, that in the sense of like poetry is better than music but like listen to any Garf any Simon and Garfunkel song like Sound of Silence is a perfect example I know it's like all cliche now because you know Hello Darkness My Old Friend whatever also it is you a bit have of the cliche, Disturbed but like, co cover as well the Disturbed cover is extraordinary though I, know, I love it it's so good um, but that song like the lyrics are so beautiful and like I do think I think Music is mainstream, sorry, poetry is mainstream because it exists in in lyrics that you can, you know, print out and it's a poem. Like, I, uh, when my older sister had her first kid, um, when he was a baby, there was one day when we just, he wouldn't stop crying. Um, so I recited um, Green Day lyrics to him. Um, I think it was Basket Case. I just okay. recited them like they were Shakespeare and he fell asleep. So I think poetry, I think poetry exists in like in other media. Um, but I don't think poetry, I don't think otherwise poetry is going to ever be mainstream. But I don't think that's, I don't think it needs, not everything needs to be. I, was... I don't think, I don't think like, there's a lot of things I don't think are mainstream and like, that's okay. I, I was, rem to, I I was reminded the other day when doing this, the thing of like, the balance of this is like, poetry is taught in every single school. There are so many weddings that have poems in them, etc. Yeah. And that thing of one must question now is almost, what do I mean by mainstream? I don't even yeah, know my own point. answer to that. <laughs> or thing of like, I've got it in my dumb question, this thing of like, oh yeah, like paint, poetry is everywhere, yeah. but also it's not seen as mainstream, which is a weird yeah. spot for it to be. But let's move on to our last question. Uh, I mean, I'm going to... Another, uh, number? another number. Yes, words, another um, number. How old are you now? 30, 31. 31. Um, 31. What is your proudest moment in poetry? 
Um, I don't know what that sound was. What the sound I made? Or yes, made. you. Um, I think last time you asked me that, I said winning Genesis Slam. Uh, I think. <sighs> Maybe getting my second collection published by Verve. Or maybe like as a, that and process. Like definitely running the the community that we've created together. And I think I felt it most the last time, last month, because there were people that have only been coming for a few months, but are clearly like people that are gonna be there every time and feel like just as much part of the process family as people who've been coming since day one. Um, and I just feel like we've created the poetry night that I always wanted. Um, it really feels like a community and a family and like that's not what everyone wants in poetry, but it's what we want. And I think it's really nice and really lovely and validating to know that other people also really value that in spoken word and poetry. Yeah. I think that's a wholesome and lovely way to end <laughs> this podcast. Wholesome the, and lovely, that's me. Exactly. That's exactly the two words I used to describe you. Um, I just want everyone to know, um, people who are listening to this and not watching it, that um, Tyrone is wearing a uh, pink sleeve, a pale pink sleeveless Barbie t-shirt, um, which is funny because when the Barbie promo stuff got announced, <laughs> um, he shared pictures of us as Barbie and Ken um, with mine saying she is everything. He's just Ken. Oh, and, yeah, and and his said he, uh, he's just gonna. He didn't tell me he was doing that, <laughs> and I was like, nope, I hate this. Take it down. Stop it. I didn't tell him to take it down, but it was funny in a <laughs> uh, in an unexpected way. Anyway, he's wearing that t-shirt and it looks great. And I'll be wearing it at process because I will be. Promise. It, um. My only slight caveat is if I'm watching the Barbie movie on the Saturday, no, on the Sunday before process. Okay. This podcast will come out after, so this is now irrelevant and whatever. But nevertheless, <laughs> I'm watching. <laughs> I'm watching the Barbie movie on the Sunday okay. before process, I'm and basically, so if the Barbie movie is good, this stays on. If Barbie's not good, it will we'll be. see. It but it'll will probably still be. be on as well. Nevertheless, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Um. As I've been saying, your camera is there. If you want to be found online, let people know where they can find you. If not, we don't have to do that. <laughs> um, I really just wanted one. I wanted one good bird down the mic. That was all right. It was all right. Uh, um, <laughs> Smoothly done. Uh, I am at Kayla TMF, T for Tango, M for Mike, F for Foxtrot on social media or at kaylafeldman.com for everything else. Um, where else can you find me? In person, you can find me at Process on the last Tuesday of every month, except for that one time in December. Um, yeah. Is that it? Is that the end? Well, now I need to just do outro to camera slash to the microphone so you can all hear me. I don't know why when I move closer, I also change the voice. That defeats the purpose of moving closer to the mic. <laughs> it literally does. Nevertheless... This has been the Process Podcast. Um, as always, as ever, as please do it, follow us on all the socials, on the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, the Freds by that point, probably. I don't know. We'll see how <laughs> we'll see how Twitter and Freds 
last survives. This is going to be a wonderfully out of date podcast now. That's great. Oh, oh well. But Sorry. find us on all the socials. We are Process Productions on all the things. Support us on Patreon if you do. You can get this early. You can get our other videos earlier. You can help run this thing because I like doing this and I think people like this and this would be a good thing. And Patreon helps us do that. So please support and all that. Otherwise, good night. Good morning, good evening, good whenever you're listening to this. All right, Truman. (laughs) (laughs) Good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye. Au revoir. C'est la vie. Blah, blah, blah. Words. Bye.